Welcome to another installment of Technically It Is Real on NorthCoastUnderground.com and on Spotify. I am your host, Tyrell Jackson, and this is the show where we keep it real. Here on this show, we talk about wrestling, football, basketball, baseball, and everything in between. We shoot straight from the hip and do not pull on any punches. So just sit back, relax, grab your favorite drink or snack, and enjoy the show because this is Technically It Is Real. Welcome everybody to another edition of Technically It Is Real. I'm your host Tyrell Jackson. Welcome back to the show. Episode 18. Can you believe it? It has been 18 editions of this wonderful show and it has been a journey from me struggling to uh, this right now where I'm extra confident and everything like that. So here on North Coast Underground, beautiful cold Valley View, Ohio. I mean it is nice and sunny out there but it is no joke it is cold out there i mean it's like seven degrees outside feels like it's like negative five i mean it is absolutely cold out here but welcome to the show and today we got a lot to talk about you know we got jobber of the week we're going to talk about the nfl the nfl versus john gruden uh more developments has come out of that like i've said that is going to be a continuating story as things go on with that we're also going to be talking about the divisional rounds my thoughts on the divisional rounds my thoughts on the wild card round and who i think will be moving on uh, we're going to be talking about that. Also, we're going to be do a little bit NBA talk. We're going to talk about Klay Thompson, why I think people need to chill out on Klay Thompson. And also, we're going to be talking about the Russell Westbrook situation. And let's actually start off with that. We're going to change things up a little bit this week because usually we start off with Jobber of the Week. But we're actually going to change it up. We're going to get the NBA talk out the way right here, right now. So let's talk about it. And very simple. Very, very simple. Russell Westbrook has been blamed as the main source to why the Lakers are at 500. And I have said this on the show before, and I will say this again. The Lakers are who I thought they were. This is not just Russ. This is not just Vogel. This is not just um, Stanley Johnson or or THT or anybody else. This has everything to do with the team that they have built. And I said this the moment that they traded for Russell Westbrook and traded Kuzma away. And y'all see how Kuzma doing his thing over there in Washington now that he is out of the way and not under the umbrella of LeBron James. But you see what is going on with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, Westbrook has been the main source, but I will sit back and say this. I have said this plenty of times. Russell Westbrook is that guy that has stat padded his entire career. He has put up bricks at the bricks. He's not the best shooter in the world. He is not the most efficient player in the world. His triple-double season that he averaged a triple-double was absolutely fantastic, absolutely historic. Not going to sit there and deny that at all. But if you look at the tape, if you look at the film, because film don't lie, Film do not lie. You will see a lot of the times either he was the only one facilitating the ball up the up the court or he was actually getting rebounds because he was out jumping his teammates or sometimes his teammates would just give him the rebound by stepping away from the ball and be like, here, Russ, you can take the rebound. Stat padding. Stat padding. I've been saying this for a long time about Westbrook. So when Westbrook got traded to the Lakers and Carmelo signed with the Lakers and everybody's like, yeah, look at the Lakers. They're going to win the NBA championship. I knew they wouldn't. I also knew that this team would struggle to stay above 500. They are at 500. They were a game below 500 before beating the Orlando Magic. And they sit there and brag, yeah, look at us. We beat the Orlando Magic. Orlando only got eight wins. You better beat the Orlando Magic. This team would be lethal if it was 2012. But it ain't 2012. It's 2022. It is 2022. And this Lakers squad... Ain't it? And they probably going to blow some things up. They probably going to trade Russ and they're going to trade this guy and they're going to probably trade Carmelo Anthony. But this team is not it. And it's all in part because LeBron wanted some stars along with him. I told you this from the beginning and I'm loving the fact that I am absolutely 100% right about this team when I sit back and say The Lakers are who I thought they were. The Lakers are doing exactly what I thought they were going to do in the summertime, and that was suck. All the expectations put on this team, all the the expectations, 
all the predictions about this team. Yeah, they're going to the NBA Finals. They're going to make it. They're going to make a run. The league better be worried. The league better be scared about the Los Angeles Lakers. I said whatever to that mess because I knew what the Lakers were and I knew who I thought they were. A bunch of names on a team. This team reminds me of the 2004 Lakers, but worse because at least the 2004 Lakers had Shaq and Kobe. And Kobe is was a beast. And Shaq was a beast at that time. At least the Lakers had Shaq and Kobe. Who the Lakers got? LeBron? LeBron's a one-man show. LeBron's a one-man trick pony. I'm sorry, two-man trick pony. I give him two tricks. I give him that little spin, step back crap that he do all the time. And then I do that little carrying stutter step that he would get caught for traveling if this was street ball. He would get caught for traveling, carrying the ball this high, and then switching over to the other end and hitting a deep three. Let Steph Braun Curry. Like, for real. Like, he he sees Curry changing the game. So he's like, oh, I'm LeBron. I got to... I got to change this. I got to change this. I got to change this now. I'm LeBron James. Yeah. I hit deep threes. I'm still the best player in the NBA. You're not the best player in the NBA, LeBron. Yeah, go ahead and get your little 35 points and everybody go, huh, look, LeBron. No father time has caught up to LeBron. LeBron, father time has caught up. It has caught up. LeBron is the problem. Vogel is the problem. The general manager is the problem. The upper heads are the problems because they listen to the GM James. They're the problem. They're the problem. Anthony Davis is the problem. Excuse me, I do not care. I do not care. Like, with all honesty, do not care that Anthony Street Clothes Davis is in his street clothes. And look at how this team would be so much better if they had Anthony Davis out there. The team was one game above 500 with Anthony Davis out there. Matter of fact, sometimes they were a couple of games below 500 with Anthony Davis with Anthony Davis on the court. On the court. That 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 is the Los Angeles Lakers. That is. There is no oh my god, look at what AD would do if AD had, was in there. Oh no. Oh they need AD back. I can't judge the team because AD is not in there. What you mean you can't judge the team because AD is not in there? Are you serious right now? You can't judge this team with AD in there? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. AD. Liability on defense. Doesn't want to shoot mid-range to, to post shots. Doesn't want to get up close. Let me give you his stats. Let me give you his stats. Before he went out, 27 games played, 35 minutes a game. He's shooting 52% from the field. Very effective for his position. Very effective. Averaging nine rebounds. Averaging almost three assists a game. Averaging 23 points a game. Yeah, that sounds good. Until you look at the tape and you realize Anthony Davis loves to do what? Shoot threes. And because Anthony Davis loved to shoot threes, he's averaging 17.9. Hit. Let's use the math rule of rounding it up. He's shooting 18% from the three-point line, which is a thing that he likes to do. Anthony Davis loves to shoot from the three. He loves it. There is no doubt about that Anthony Davis loves to shoot from the three. Let me give you a comparison of what last year looked like for him. Last year, averaged 32 points per game. Averaged 32, shot 49% from the field. He was shooting 49% from the field. Three-pointers, 26% from the three. The year before that, his first year in L.A., he shot 33% from three. And everybody want to talk about, oh, he can buzz down threes. When you shoot 33, 26, and 18%, one, that's your productivity going down, but you continue to like to shoot threes. But that's your productivity going down. You average 26 points per game starting off. You average 26 per game, 26 points per game starting off. Now you then you average 21.8. Then you creep it back up to 23. I have told y'all Anthony Davis has gotten lazy. How do I know Anthony Davis has sat back and got lazy? Let's look at his last year in New Orleans. His very last year in New Orleans. 51% from the field. Okay. Cool. Still shot that 33%. Average 29 points. Had 12 rebounds per game. 
He averaged a double-double. Outside of his rookie year, he averaged a double-double every single year that he was in New Orleans outside of his rookie year. Since his time in L.A., his numbers have stayed the same as far as points per game. But he has dropped in rebounding. He has dropped significantly in three-pointers, even though he continues to shoot the three. And y'all going to sit back and say, we can't evaluate this team without Anthony Davis? I am evaluating this team without Anthony Davis. I am. Because Anthony Davis is sitting on the bench. Russell Westbrook is the problem. LeBron James is the problem. The coaching is the problem. It's a whole structural problem with the Los Angeles Lakers. It is a whole structural problem. No doubt about it. The Lakers are who I thought they were going to be. They will be blessed. Oh, this team will be blessed. If they even make the playoffs this year. I said it. Because what this team is trying to do. They trying to smooth things out and figure out where things are going to go and how things are going to do. They're going to trade a bunch of pieces. They're going to try to get things going after the All-Star break. You know what I'm saying? And then they're going to probably sneak into the playoffs. And then they're going to try to make a run, but then they're going to get bounced out of the first round. Now, who does that sound like? A little, little different, but who does that sound like? Oh, wait, the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. What's the difference? What's the difference? Oh, they made a run to the finals just to get smoked by the Golden State Warriors, a team that was younger, faster, and better than them. I mean, I'm not wrong here. If you look back and look at the 2018 Cavaliers, trade all these pieces. This is what LeBron wants. This is what LeBron wants. Then, oh, look, look how bad they're playing. Trade everybody for new pieces. Then they got the blocks running after the All-Star break. Then they swept through the East because the East was weak at that time. And then they ran into the Golden State problem. It's the same thing that's about to happen outside of the NBA final appearance. They're going to trade a bunch of people. Then they're going to say, oh, this team is better. Look at what LeBron's doing. Then they're going to get bounced out out of the first round from a team that's just younger, stronger, better, and faster than them. Don't that sound like the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers? And Which means it's one common denominator le gm james one common denominator it's already rumors that westbrook could go back to the houston rockets for a 2027 first round pick in john wall i don't think that's gonna happen i'm gonna be i'm actually kind of surprised that houston wants to take him back but that's that's what we're facing right now and i knew russ is was the, the 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 trade talks are gonna gonna ramp up as the all-star break comes all-star all-star game is less than a month away I knew, I knew that was going to happen. Ain't no doubts about it. No doubts about it at all. So, look, the, the, the Lakers are, are a show of amazement to watch. And you got all these other teams that are better than them. But we got to talk about the Lakers because the Lakers is all we're talking about. And it's funny to watch them suck. It does because I knew it was going to happen. Let's talk about Klay Thompson real quick. Because I see a lot of people online talking about Klay Thompson now. Oh, he's not the same. He's washed. He's this, that, and the third. You got to realize, prior to him coming back six games ago, seven games ago for the Golden State Warriors, he didn't play since the NBA Finals in 2019. He has not played since then. The Warriors are a completely different team than what they were game five of 2019 NBA Finals. You got to give Clay some time. He's averaging 14.7 points per game, shooting 37% from the field. You got to give him some time. Oh, look at his three-point shooting. It's going down. It's going down. Oh, no. It's going down. That's okay. Clay is just getting reacclimated, playing live basketball. Yes, he was in the G League a little bit, but it's a different game when you play in the NBA. You got Wiggins, who is the second man, second scoring option outside of Steph. Clay got to get into it. I think Clay's going to bounce back. I think his numbers are going to average fine. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he'll be fine. I think people need to give it a little bit of patience, need to chill out, need to realize like Clay is just getting back into the groove of things. Yes, Clay's shooting form is a little off, but like I said, he has to get used to playing in NBA live speed, and that's going to take time. Like I say, he's only played six games. Got to give the man a, a chance to give the man a break. But I think he is going to catch fire again. And once he catch fire and he get those numbers up and he start hitting twenty some points per game and start shooting forty five percent from the three point line and start 
complimenting Steph Curry again and complimenting uh, Andrew Wiggins, I think it'd just be perfectly fine. I think we have nothing to worry about with Klay Thompson at all. So that's just my little NBA talk about that right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NFL versus John Gruden. Got job of the weekend, and we also got the division games. Don't change that dial. Don't go anywhere. This is technically It Is Real here on North Coast Underground. We'll be right back after these messages. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to ditch the car and start rollerblading to work. I look ridiculous. You look ridiculous! You don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your organs on the black market. Lie back. This is going to hurt. Yeah, that hurts. You don't need to rent out your apartment to drifters. I made a fire with the wood in your bedroom. That's my dresser! And your closet door. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to TIR. So let's get into Jobber of the Week. Usually we do Jobber of the Week first, but today we had to talk about Russell Westbrook and and Clay and the Lakers and how bad the Lakers are and who I thought they were and everything like that. So Jobber of the Week this week, y'all know what Jobber of the Week is. It's plain and simple, biggest idiot, biggest stupid thing to do, whatever it may be, it earns you Jobber of the Week. Now, usually it's like in sports, but there's been a few times where it's been outside of sports where it just kind of makes you stand out and go, oof. So uh, let's talk about it. Malik McDowell, Jobber of the Week. Congratulations, buddy. You're on the list and your Cleveland Browns career and maybe your whole NFL career is completely gone. Because if you do not know earlier this week, Malik McDowell, defensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns, got arrested walking around butt booty naked. Butt booty naked in Miami. And beat up a cop. Charge after him. Punched him in the face a few times, and they say the cop's face is swollen like no other. And that dude is, what, 6'5", 290? Yeah, that makes sense. But here's the more crazy thing about this whole thing. Here's the more crazy thing about this whole thing. He was walking around naked in front of a learning center. Yes, where children are in school. We're talking a learning center that takes from six months old to six-year-olds. That is insane. And according to him, he does not remember any of this. He believes that somebody has slipped something in his drink or whatever it may be. He does not remember this or whatever it may be. Who knows? But we do know that he has an issue with assaulting police officers in the past because a few years ago, he actually got charged with a DUI and also assaulted a cop when he got charged with, with that DUI. Uh, at that time when he was with the Seattle Seahawks. Matter of fact, the Seattle Seahawks drafted him in the second round of 2017. They released him in 2019 after he played zero games for them because of his injuries off of an ATV accident and then his DUI and arrest and assaulting a police officer back in Seattle. Again, same thing, walking around, running around, whatever it may be, you know, with the with the family jewels hanging all out and everything. In front of a learning center, they had to put the learning center under code red because they did not know what was going on. And I don't know what's more crazy. The fact that this happened and this is going on, the fact that he got caught doing this, the fact that he basically did this in uh, in front of a learning center, the fact that it was broad daylight when it happened, the fact that he went charging at the police officer, or the fact that, according to him, he do not remember a thing about what happened. He don't know. But you get job of the week because, dude, dude, why would you drink during, I mean, I get it, vacation and, you know, daytime drinking and everything like that. Hey, I always say, if a bar is open, it's not daytime drinking. Like, bars up here in Cleveland open at 11 o'clock in the morning. Like, to me, okay, it's 11 o'clock in the morning here. It's not daytime drinking because guess what? You can go to a bar and drink. But why? Would you believe that someone slipped something in your drink? So you're telling me you at the bar or wherever the hell you drinking at and you're not watching your drink? And you're not watching your drink? See, that right there is your responsibility as a grown 
human being. If you at a bar, if you at a restaurant, if you in your hotel room, whatever it may be, and you know there's other people around. Heck, even if you don't think there's nobody else around, it is your responsibility to watch your drink. It is. And it's also the bartender's responsibility to watch your drink and make sure nobody's slipping anything in your drink as well. That, that that's the bartender's responsibility, I would believe so, because if you walk away from your drink and the bartender notice you walk away from your drink, wouldn't it be the bartender's responsibility to be like, hey, make sure you don't touch that drink, he's still drinking that, or whatever it may be. Um I I just I mean, I get it can happen. I'm not being insensitive about it when I sit back and say I don't think it can happen or whatever it may be, but it's just as a, as a grown man, wouldn't you watch your drink better, especially since you know other people slip things and like to slip things in people's drinks? Wouldn't you watch your drinks a whole lot better? I, I I don't know. This this is crazy. His career with the Browns is done. It's over. It's done. They're just going to let his contract expire on uh, March 16th. I believe that's also when the new calendar year happens for the NFL. They're going to just let him go. I don't think nobody's going to sign him. He's probably going to have to register as a sex offender in the state of Florida, probably even in the state of Michigan where he is from. Who knows? Who knows? But I think his NFL career is done. I mean, he's a solid player for us. That's a shame because he had a lot of potential. Um, but I mean, that that is what it is. I mean, I, I just don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if there was something actually going on. I, I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that this man, naked, drunk, passed out, whatever he was on, whatever drugs he was on, whatever alcohol he was drinking, whatever happened, the man says he does not remember it. The man says he does not remember it. And this is crazy. This is crazy. Like I say, he's had issues with his DUI issues in Seattle and assaulting the officer. And if you go look at the video of Malik Badal charging the officer, it looks crazy. You this big dude just hurling, just hurling at a officer and proceeding to punch him. Like running and jumping after this officer. He is blessed and lucky that he was not shot and killed. He was blessed and lucky that he dealt with a cop. Who, let's be frank, was slightly cool, calm, and collected in that situation. I don't know how cool, calm, and collected you can be with some big 6'5", 290 guy coming charging at you full speed. But um, in that situation, in a state where it is a stand your ground state, yeah, he, he Malik Madala is even blessed to be alive. He is, because we know what happens you know, you don't even have to charge sometimes. They could just feel threatened and it can be it can be all over with one false move. So he is even blessed to be alive. But, yeah, he definitely gets job of the week because why are you not watching over your drink like it's supposed to? So uh, when we come back, we're still going to stick with the NFL talk. We got to talk about NFL talk. John Gruden, NFL. It is part three. We are going to talk about it because more development has happened with that. And also stick around NFL divisional round playoff talk. We're going to talk about all four of the games. Two of them happening today. Two of them happening tomorrow. You are listening to TIR Technically It Is Real here on North Coast. We'll be right back. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was .5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then... The dreaded splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. 
because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. After being released from the Arkham Home for the Criminally Insane, I knew I needed a new career. That's when I found the Ohio Media School. In addition to student-run internet radio stations, the Ohio Media School also offers a diploma program with hands-on courses taught by professional broadcasters. With seven campuses, job placement, and financial aid, the Ohio Media School can make your broadcast dreams a reality. Check them out online at beyondair.com, visit their Cleveland campus, 9885 Rockside Road, Suite 160, or call 216-503-5900. That's 216-503-5900. Ohio Media School. We change lives. Welcome back to Technically It Is Real. So we are going to talk about John Gruden versus the NFL. Everybody knows. If you don't know, let me give you a little refresher. What is going on with John Gruden? John Gruden X. NFL head coach for the Raiders and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before his second stint uh, with the Raiders. And before his second stint with the Raiders, he spent time as the color commentator on Monday Night Football alongside with Mike Tirico for about it was a, it was at least seven years. I think it was actually 10, but it was at least seven years before he took a 10 year, 100 million dollar deal with the Las Vegas, the now Las Vegas Raiders and um, emails came out because the NFL is investigating the culture that is happening in the inside of the Washington football team's organization, formerly known as the other term that I'm not going to say unless I'm talking about a player from the past. And um, yeah, there's emails about John Gruden saying racial things, homophobic slurs, and everything in between that and menaz- menaz- misogynistic uh, uh, words and terms as well. So a lot of emails uh, that was tracing back to John Gruden, dating back from 2011 all the way to 2018 amongst Bruce Allen and others inside of the Washington organization. And the Washington organization is being uh, investigated because of the simple fact there has been reports and um, actual evidence of uh, higher up sending Photos amongst the cheerleaders, unbeknownst to cheerleaders, including nude photos amongst the cheerleaders and a bunch of other things. And here's the thing that I have to say, because John Gruden and just give a little fact before I say my opinion. John Gruden is suing the NFL for singling him out during this investigation. And I've always said this. John Gruden might have a case because why is John Gruden's emails the ones that's really being released and nobody else's. And I think it started to be released because Roger Goodell saw what he said about Roger Goodell and Roger's like, okay, release them all because there's 650,000 emails that the public has been waiting on. But I think the NFL knows those emails might bring it, bring them down to the ground or almost to the ground. I mean, this is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar corporation so it ain't gonna completely bring them down but it's gonna hurt a whole lot and i think if they release those emails it's gonna be about different owners executives and even roger goodell himself there's no doubt about it um those emails still won't get released the nfl needs to realize one thing and one thing they need to realize like they're either gonna go to court with john gruden because the court dismissal case that the NFL has set grounds to to dismiss John Gruden's case, the hearing is taking place February 23rd. And two things are going to happen. This case is going to get dismissed and the NFL can walk away scratch free or they're going to have this case. And then the emails are going to get released. The emails need to get released by the NFL. I have been saying that from the moment that this has started to happen. But they only released John Gruden emails. They released a little bit from Adam Schefter. I think they did a little bit of that so they can cover their grounds because I think they knew John Gruden would sue. But the NFL has said that they're dismissing his case and they're trying to dismiss his case in the state of Nevada and the city of Las Vegas because they are stating that he sent the offensive emails to multiple people and he shouldn't expect his emails to be private. Uh, John Gruden is seeking a undisclosed amount of money in the lawsuit. He already got money from the Raiders because if you guys remember, John Gruden was resigned, not fired. So John Gruden was able to pack his stuff in the box and everything like that. And it's like, come on, come on. We're, come on, let's stack them all up. Put them in the box. No, 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 no. Put that in there nice and smoothly. Like the stuff that came out about Smith came out the day before the game. He was still able to coach the game. Then he was able to walk away with his stuff packed nice and neatly and bubble wrapped and ready to go and not thrown out on the side of the curb. 
That's what John Gruden was able to do. John Gruden and Mark Davis settled the remaining money of the six-year agreement, even though there is no unknown figure of what that is. It could be the full guaranteed money that he was promised. It could not be. Either way, John Gruden is a rich man at the end of the day. John Gruden is a rich man at the end of the day. And the NFL versus John Gruden thing, it is going to get intense. I think if this dismissal case that happens on February 23rd and the case does not get dismissed and this case go this case could potentially and might go to trial unless they settle out of court. It is going to be a big deal because the NFL is going to do everything in their power to make sure that this case does not get brought into trial. They want to make sure that because if this case gets brought back to trial, if this case goes to trial and there's no settlement, there's no dismissal grounds, there's nothing that this case goes to trial. The NFL will have no other choice but to release 650,000 emails, which they should be doing anyway. Like I said, they are hiding something, and they're hiding something huge. They're hiding something huge. Because to me, and it still does not make sense to me, how you can sit back and have 200, excuse me, not 200, a 400-page document of deflated footballs of the New England Patriots. 400 pages about deflated footballs about the Patriots, but we can't release 650,000 emails to the public. Ain't that crazy? I think the NFL is protecting Dan Snyder. I think the NFL is protecting themselves and the NFL is protecting the Washington football team. If this was the Patriots, I think they release more emails than what they release. Cause you know, Roger Goodell don't like Belichick. Roger Goodell don't really like craft all like that. Those emails will get released. They got to realize those emails need to be released ASAP. And if they don't release it amongst themselves, amongst or more emails, John Gruden, again, has a case. Because, yes, there's been a little bit of stuff about Schefter and some some of Bruce Allen's emails. And I think they did that to cover their tracks. And I think it's well obvious. John Gruden was singled out. As of right now, the only person, the only person to sit back and face repercussions for the emails that were typed out is John Gruden. And let me just say this. I am not condoning what John Gruden had to say. I am not condoning how John Gruden said things, what he said, how he said it, and when he said it. I'm not condoning that at all. He is a grown man, and he sent out those emails as a grown man, and so did Bruce Allen. But we don't know. What started these conversations? We just know the side of John Gruden. We don't have emails of Bruce Allen and others responding to John Gruden after he's sending these emails. We don't even have that. We just got the John Gruden side of things. We legitimately got one dimension in a 3D type situation. Because there's other parties and other sides involved. And there's other organizations Besides the Washington football team involved in this, because like I've said before, like I've said before, if you can sit back, if you can sit back and send those emails freely to another man like that, that you probably do know your emails are tracked, then what else is Bruce Allen doing? What else are the other higher ups doing? What else are they doing? What else are they doing? Why was John Gruden so comfortable sending those emails? Why was John Gruden so comfortable, so comfortable typing it out, proofreading it? Because you know people proofread their emails, proofreading this and going, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to hit send. What made him feel that comfortable? We don't know because we only got one side of the story in a 3D type thing. Because it's Gruden side, it's the NFL side, it's it's really a six-sided cube. You know, it's, it's, it's Gruden side, it's the NFL side, it's the football team side, it's other organization side, it's other higher-up side, and it's Bruce Allen side. It's a six-sided cube. And we only got one side of the cube. 
that they, the NFL is protecting themselves to the highest extent. This is why they're dismissing this case because they don't want to release those emails. They're protecting Snyder. They're protecting themselves. And really, I think other networks are involved in this too. Like I said, those emails from John Gruden dated back to 2011 when he was a color commentator on Monday Night Football. All the way up until he became a Oakland Raider head coach again. So what does that mean? That means that John Gruden sent those emails and it was probably his personal emails. And because they're his personal emails outside of the NFL, yes, sent to another NFL official or whatever it may be, it might construe if the emails are private or not. Because you can sit back and say, yeah, he sent those emails to Bruce Allen, who was an executive of an NFL organization. But you can also sit back and say, well, John Gruden sent it on his own. You got to see it both sides of the thing. Not condoning John Gruden's actions at all. I want to be 10,000% clear on that. Not condoning John Gruden's actions at all. But I do want to say, was John Gruden singled out? Do I feel like John Gruden was singled out by the NFL? Yes, I do. Because where are the rest of the emails? Where are the rest? You got 650,000 emails. Where are the rest of the emails? If John Gruden was not singled out, where are the rest? Why are there not more being released? Why are there not Bruce Allen emails being released in response to John Gruden or the other people that John Gruden sent these emails out? Why is more not being released in response to John Gruden or even starting the conversation to John Gruden? Why is that not being released? We don't know because I believe John Gruden was singled out. I'm not standing for, up for this man. I'm not defending this man for doing what he did. But my God, we got to look at the truth here. We got to look at the truth here. And the truth is, is that man was singled out. And they try to release a little bit of sprinklers to cover themselves legally. And they're going to try to bring it up February 23rd in a dismissal case. John Gruden got a shot. I want John Gruden to go to trial with this. And I think if you are an NFL fan and you are curious, and you are curious about how this thing is going to go, and you're curious about what those other emails said, at this moment, you need to be rooting for John Gruden, for this case not to be dismissed, for John Gruden to go to trial with this and not settle out of court. You need to hope that this goes to trial. Because if this goes to trial, those emails will be released. There is no doubt about it. The Supreme Court, Congress is already trying to get these emails released and the NFL is denying it. But if this goes to trial and John Gruden continues to fight, and does not settle out of court and keeps the show and keeps the thing going. Oh, we're going to get those emails. And it's going to be bad for the NFL. And the NFL knows that. The NFL lawyers knows that. They know that. That's why they're going after the dismissal hearing on February 23rd. So if you do want to see that, if you do want to see those emails, you need to be room for John Gruden here. Again, not saying, not saying at all that I'm rooting for this man to get his money and not saying at all that I'm rooting for this man to, to be rewarded for the things that he said. Not saying that at all. He said what he said. He did what he did. And he was dead wrong for saying and doing what he did. No doubt about 110%. But if you want these emails to be released... You definitely need to be rooting for John Gruden. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NFL division around playoffs here on Technically It Is Real. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere after these messages. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. If you drive buzzed, it could cost you around $10,000. You'll face major legal fees, major fines, and steep insurance penalties. You could lose everything. Buzzed 
busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just got invited to the prom. Do you A, meet her date? I need to see your past date report cards, your driver's license, a list of references, and this hair sample. B, help her pick out a dress. <gasps> Don't you just love the long sleeves and turtleneck on this pantsuit? Ugh. C, attend the prom undercover. Mom, what are you doing here? I'm not mom, I'm <clears throat> Calvin, the new kid at school. Or D, capture her big moment. Uh, let's take a photo of you two. I'm in the middle. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the show. Officially, we had to figure some things out on the video side of this show, so it kind of threw things off a little bit. But let's get into it. Divisional round, two games today, two games tomorrow. We got Cincinnati versus Tennessee Titans. The San Francisco 49ers travel to Lambeau Field to face the Green Bay Packers. We got the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, however you want to call them. And then Sunday night, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills rematch to the AFC uh, Championship game from last year. Be at GEH Field at Arrowhead. That is happening. So let's get Let's get it going. Let's get it started. Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals versus Tennessee Titans. Cincinnati coming off their first playoff win in 31 years. This is their first divisional round appearance in 31 years with a 26-19 win over the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. And the funny thing was when I was listening back to the predictions that I had for the wild card game last week, I said that the final score of that game would have been 27 to 20. I was legit one point off of both ways. And I was kind of spot on about you don't want to have it be a three point game to where they can just kick a field goal. You want to put that pressure on the Raiders uh, offense to score a touchdown. And that's exactly what happened with Cincinnati getting the interception. Let me say this about Cincinnati fans. Y'all came there and y'all showed up. It was extremely loud in that stadium. They tried to turn y'all down, yet they couldn't turn down how loud you were, especially when y'all got the interception. It was a beautiful thing. And I'm not a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals at all. I don't like them at all. But uh, as a Browns fan, understanding that, you know, not winning a playoff game in 25 years plus or whatever it may be, you feel happy for them. So I am happy for the Cincinnati Bengals fans and organizations. Congratulations to them. Now, please build a indoor facility for them. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, they win their first uh, first playoff game in 31 years. Joe Burrow had went off last week, 24-34, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Offense line did a great job protecting Joe Burrow, especially with the pressure of Max Crosby. Max Crosby did get a sack in that game, but they only uh, allowed two sacks on Joe Burrow last week, and they're going to need to do the same against the Tennessee's pass rush. Um, here's the key for Cincinnati in this game against the Tennessee Titans. Here's a major key. I will get to the other key when I talk about the Tennessee Titans side of the ball. But the major key for the Tennessee Titans, I mean, not for the Tennessee Titans, the Cincinnati Bengals, is they need to be white hot in the third quarter. In the third quarter in the game last week, they didn't really get things going like they usually do. And here's a stat about the third quarter for the Cincinnati Bengals this year. They have outscored their opponents 102 points to 40 points in the third quarter this year. If they want a chance to win this game and move on to the AFC Championship game, they have to win the third quarter. And let me get into third quarters real quick because I've always wanted to say this about third quarters. Third quarters are vital in the game. To me, they are more important than the fourth quarter because your third quarter can set up your fourth quarter. And if you do your fourth quarter smartly, then it really don't matter what happens in the fourth quarter if you just close out the game. And that's in any sport. That's in that's in baseball. I mean not baseball. Baseball don't have quarters. Baseball have innings. But that's in basketball. That's in that's in football. Uh in hockey it would be the second quarter. Your second quarter would set up your third quarter. To me, the quarter before the final quarter is the most important quarter because it sets things up. It sets the tone of how things are going to go in the fourth quarter. And if you execute the fourth quarter correctly because of the tone that you set in the third quarter, it is extremely important. So for the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals have a 102-40 to score 
against opponents in the third quarter this year is very, very vital. It's very vital for them to come out the gates running, and it's very vital for them to come out the second half on defense and get that thing going. They get Trey Hendrickson back, so it is going to add that pass rush that is excellent for them. They need Trey Hendrickson back. It's going to add some pass rush to them, but they lose interior play. Larry Ogunjobi is out for the rest of the year. They lose that interior play, and they need that interior play more so ever this week because King Henry is back. King Henry is back. He is back to take his throne. And let me tell you something about King Henry. King Henry finished in the league top 10 in rushing yards. Top 10 in rushing yards, King Henry. And he has not played since week eight. But that foot is healthy as it's going to get. And King Henry is coming to take that throne. And he's coming to make grown men look like little kids with his nasty stiff arm. The Tennessee Titans' most vital part of why they are so successful is back. Because Tannehill has had up and down type thing when they had to put the ball in Tannehill's hand. But Tannehill did his job. The key for Cincinnati to win this game is to do your best at stopping King Henry. If you don't stop King Henry, you will lose this game. And I think it's more than likely because King Henry has to get back into football shape. I'm pretty sure he is in football shape, but it's different from practice football shape and live game football shape. There's a difference. And it's playoff games at that. But King Henry got to go off of Tennessee. If they put the ball in Tannehill's hands, if they rely on Tannehill, I said this in the AFC South preview, they rely on Ryan Tannehill, they might not win this game. They might not win this game. But I think King Henry is going to have a good game. I think this game is going to be another close game. I think Joe Burrow has a good game. Joe Burrow is the truth. Let me give you the last five games of Joe Burrow. 1,720 yards, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, and a quarterback rating over 100. That is Joe Burrow's last five games. I think Joe Burrow has another excellent game here as well. Um, I think Tennessee's defense can actually cause a turnover. I think Tennessee can pick off Joe Burrow one time. Tennessee's key is don't let Jamar Chase go off. Rely on Boyd, rely on Higgins, rely on Mixon to have big games. But Jamar Chase get a big game. It is a whole different breed. It is a whole different story if you let if you let Jamar Chase get off. Because when Jamar Chase get them long passes, that's 45, 50 yards down the field, it brings a different energy to the entire game. That whole entire Cincinnati sideline gets pumped. They get the move in. That defense comes out and plays stronger. If you're going to be the Tennessee Titans, you got to let T. Higgins beat you. Again, you need to put – your best corner on Jamar Chase and a safety over the top to help out that corner. Just in case that corner gets beat, you have the safety that is going to be there to help out the way. But they have to double team. They have to double team Jamar Chase in order to win. They have to get King Henry going because if they don't get King Henry going and King Henry like has a bad game and they put the hands, the ball in the hands of Ryan Tannehill, it is going to be a problem. They don't have the, like, they have the weapons, but Tannehill doesn't really use the weapons all like that. And if people, I saw somebody say, Julio Jones is going to go off. What Julio Jones is going to do? And there's no disrespect to Julio Jones. Julio Jones is a legend in this game. But what is Julio Jones going to do? Score three touchdowns? He only scored one this year. He only scored one this year. Against the Houston Texans out of all teams. So, like, Julio Jones is not going to do nothing. This passing game is not going to do nothing. It relies on stopping Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow going to get his numbers. Joe Burrow is going to change the game because it's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is that dude. Like, Joe Burrow is everything that Baker Mayfield wishes he was. Cool, calm, collected, confident, and can carry a team when it matters the most. Joe Burrow is the truth. Cincinnati got their quarterback, no doubt about it. Joe Burrow is going to get his numbers, but you better let him get his numbers with Boyd. You better let him get his numbers with Mixon and Higgins and their tight end. Do not let him get his numbers with Jamar Chase because it's going to be a wrap. Jamar Chase is a game changer. That dude can ball out. And that's what happened with the Raiders as well. The Raiders did not contain and they did not do a good job against Jamar Chase. And y'all saw what happened with the Raiders and how they lost that game on top of not getting any pressure, really any real pressure on on the um, on, on Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. But 
they they Tennessee got Tennessee got to do that. If Tennessee do what they supposed to do today, I got Tennessee actually winning this game. I got Tennessee winning this game, close score, twenty four to twenty. That'd be the final score. I think it comes down to if if. King Henry, if Derrick Henry can play, and if Derrick Henry has a good game, and if they can contain Jamar Chase to the best way they can. If you want to figure out how to contain Jamar Chase, go look at the first Cincinnati Browns game. Not the one that happened in week 18, but the one that happened right after Odell got released. Go look at that game because they stopped Jamar Chase to a T. And that's what I mean by you got to stop Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is an energy level. And I'm going to sit back and say this about Jamar Chase. I would gladly sit back and say this about Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase gonna be the new Chad Johnson up in that up in that boy. He's gonna be the new Chad Johnson. He's gonna be that swaggy game changing dude that nobody wants to face. His route running is nasty. His route running is nasty. Jamar Chase gonna be that dude. So you, you gotta stop Jamar Chase. That that is key. I keep saying it because it's so true. You got to stop or at least contain him to he's gonna get a couple of catches, but don't let him get those big 60 yard gains. It's a wrap once you let that happen. Um so yeah, but if they don't do that and and uh Derrick Henry goes off and everything like that, Tennessee wins this game 24 to 20. Uh let's move on to the second game today. Lambeau Field, San Francisco 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay bet not go to sleep. Do not walk in there sleepy. San Francisco started this year three and five. Three and five. It was looking real rough. It wasn't looking good. They was dealing with injuries. They was dealing with 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 quarterback issues with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. San Francisco started off three and five. They're coming off of a big win against the Dallas Cowboys, twenty three to seventeen. Which that game ended in controversy because we all know what happened with the quarterback slide, but. I don't think a lot of people realize that Dallas actually gained eight seconds of possession because of, of clock mismanagement, not by Kyle Shanahan, but by the actual NFL referees. And that whole fiasco, when I saw that video and realized it, I was like, whoa, that is crazy to me if you ask me. Um, yeah, Dallas was able to gain eight seconds, and they still didn't capitalize. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, as I like to call it, Almost happened again. He almost blew another lead. That's going to be their downside. But San Francisco starting off 3-5, and five, including the playoff win that happened last week. This team is 8-2. This team is 8-2 going up against the Green Bay Packers, whose defense is not good. I am sick and tired of people talking about the Green Bay Packers' defense. What do their defense do? Their defense don't do nothing. Like, ooh, Everybody in Cleveland's like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw people in Cleveland, yeah, look at the Packers defense. Yeah, that's because we suck on offense. We made the Packers defense look good, and we still ran for 200 yards against them. Here's my advice for the San Francisco 49ers walk-in with this game. Run the ball right down their throats. I wouldn't even pass it. I would pass it like 15, 16 times, 20 at the most. You got Mitchell, you got Debo, run the ball down their throats. They're not going to stop you. They're not going to stop you. Teams average over four yards per carry against the Green Bay Packers defense. Who's going to stop you on the Green Bay Packers defense running the ball? Who's going to stop Mitchell, who is a top 10 running back this year in yards? Who's going to stop that? Nobody's going to stop that against the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers defense is going to be their downfall. It is going to be their downfall. And not to mention what is also going to be the Green Bay Packers downfall is their offensive line, which San Francisco can bring pressure. San Francisco can bring pressure. This is a different San Francisco team than the one that the Green Bay Packers faced in week three. This is completely different. This is a white hot team that is playing perfect, damn near perfect football. Not playing perfect football, but they're playing damn near perfect football. No doubt about it. Bosa has been cleared from concussion protocols, so they're going to have him back. That pass rush was nasty against the Dallas Cowboys, and they didn't have Bosa for half the game. That should tell you something about that, about San Francisco's pass rush. Now they're adding Nick Bosa to the mix. He's going to clear concussion protocol when people didn't think he was going to clear concussion protocol. Yeah, Debo got to get off. Debo's got to get off. Debo got to have a big game. I think Debo's going to have another big game. And San Francisco cannot fall for Kyle Shanishman. They cannot fall for it. And if y'all don't know what Kyle Shanishman is, go look at Super Bowl 51 and go look at Super Bowl 54. That's Kyle Shanishman. Two big blown leads done by incompetent play calling and time management. Kyle Shanishman, congratulations. So, yeah, if San Francisco is going to win this game, they're, they're, 
that's what's happening. And like I said, San Francisco is the hottest team going right now. They are the hottest team right now. Green Bay, Rodgers is going to get what he's going to get. He's going to put up his numbers. He's going to carry this team. Devontae Adams is going to get his numbers and everything like that. But I don't like the Green Bay Packers offensive line. I don't like the Green Bay Packers defense. I got the San Francisco 49ers with the upset win, 27-17. I think San Francisco marches into Lambeau Field, take care of business, put pressure on Aaron Rodgers, run the ball all up and down the field against the Green Bay Packers defense. I don't like the Green Bay Packers defense at all. I don't. I don't trust that defense. Even if Green Bay wins this game, they're going to lose the NFC Championship game. This defense is not good. They still have not put any good weapons on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that continues here. San Francisco, hottest team, playing the best football out of out of anybody in the NFC, in my opinion. That includes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. San Francisco marches in 27-17 and get the upset, goes on to the NFC Championship game. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about who I think their opponent will be for the NFC Championship game. This is Technically It Is Real. We will be right back. Everywhere that we go, he makes people laugh, makes people smile, and I feel like I have that quality. He's the one who always takes me fishing. I watch golf with him and... I watch him cook, because when I grow up, I want to be a cook, too. Me have the same faces like this. Dad is the one, when you fall, that picks you up. That unconditional sense of presence and um, reassurance is really what makes him my father. Do you want to be on the radio or TV? Do you want a career in broadcasting? Then the Ohio Media School is for you. We have a hands-on course that is taught by broadcast professionals that already work in the field. The Ohio Media School has seven different campuses that you can choose from. We also include 160 intern hours that you get from working at a real-life local radio or TV station. We also have two radio stations on campuses operated by the students. Once you graduate and receive your diploma, yes, it is a diploma program, we have career placement assistance to help you build your resume and help you find your first job in the broadcasting industry. For more information, call 216-503-5900. Again, that number is 216-503-5900 or go to beonair.com. That's beonair.com. The Ohio Media School for Broadcasting Careers. The end. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to TIR. We are almost done with the 18th edition of this show. Yes, it's been 18. So real quick, if you just go on Spotify.com or the Spotify app or whatever it may be, type in TIR. Actually, don't even type in T-I-R. Uh, type in Technically It Is Real in the search bar. It'll pop up there. Google Podcasts, also on Anchor. Or you could just simply type in Technically It Is Real podcast in on the Google search bar. It'll pop up. Uh, that is where you can listen to the replays of the show and also podcasts uh, available in Internet exclusives as well. Also, follow the official Twitter page at T-I-R underscore five nine on Twitter. And also follow me on Twitter at Tyrell W. Jackson one as well uh, to get the latest news and updates about the about the show, about things going around in the world of sports and everything like that. And yes, technically it is real. Also now has a alternate logo. It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty amazing. So you'll be able to get to see that there on the uh, Twitter page as well. So yeah, that's just a little quick announcement. Let's move on to uh, the rest of the games we got two we got done with the two games done today we got the two games that are be coming up ne- tomorrow and let's start off with the Los Angeles Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the Rams coming off that 34 to 11 win against the Arizona Cardinals shocker you know what I'm saying uh, very good showing from Stafford but they're gonna need a bigger game uh, from Cooper Cup as well Cooper Cup had five catches 61 yards and a touchdown but they're gonna need a bigger game from him against the Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever it may be Tampa Bay Tampa Bay whatever it's Tom Brady's team. That's all we know about that. Um, the Rams' defense is good, but they're going to have their issues with Tom Brady. Uh, the Buccaneers, 
huge win against the Philadelphia Eagles, 31-15, even though the score is actually closer than what the game was because the game was a complete blowout until the uh, Buccaneers let their foot off the gas pedal, and the Buccaneers' defense could not let their foot off against the gas pedal, um, especially when you got Higby, OBJ, and you got uh, Cooper Cup along with uh, Matt Stafford. I'll call him Matt Stafford today uh, instead of Stat Pat for um, – you know, I think it'll be a good game. The, the Rams is coming in confident. You know they're coming in confident because they beat this team week three um, as well. Don't expect a lot of running in this game. Do not expect a lot of running in this game. And actually, I kind of predict the running game is going to be damn near non-existent in this game. Uh, both teams do not run the ball very um, very much. They run the ball effectively when they do, but it's not very often that you see the Rams or the Buccaneers uh, run the ball. This is going to be a quarterback battle between Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. This is going to be a straight-up quarterback battle. It's going to be who can throw the ball more, who can throw the ball better, and who can lead their team down the field more often. I think this is going to be an absolute high-scoring game. I think, and if you look at the Rams game, that first Rams game, a lot of people would say, oh, well, the Rams beat beat them, that means they're going to beat them again. I have one rule about playing teams twice. It is hard to beat a team two times in the NFL. It's even harder to beat a team three times in the NFL. It is double times harder to beat a team twice when they are not in your division. That is my rule about facing teams twice in the NFL. Especially if they're not in your division, you can multiply that difficulty by two because they've already seen you and they also don't know you as well, but they've seen you once. They're going to see you again. And it's not like it's a division division game where it's like, oh, you know, we, we see them twice a year, every year. We, we get used to doing that in this and third. Buccaneers and Rams see each other once every few years. So now they're seeing each other twice. It's hard to beat a team twice. And you also do not bet against playoff Brady. You don't do it. If you bet against playoff Brady, you need to go get your head screwed on correctly. Tom Brady has, what, 36 career playoff wins, and you bet against playoff Brady? I'm not betting against playoff Brady. That would be stupid. Um, Final score in this game, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. A lot of quarterback passes, a lot of passes between your quarterbacks. Um, Not a lot of running. Uh, I think both defenses do not keep up with how good of a firepower this this game is going to be. Final score, 45-42. Not betting against Tom Brady and the Tampa Brady. Buccaneers. The Buccaneers would take this game 45 to 42. After all the passing, after all the touchdowns between the two, it's going to come down to a game winning field goal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And finally, the final game the Kansas City Chiefs goes up against the Buffalo Bills in a huge AFC rematch man this is a big game a lot of people were wishing this would be in the AFC championship game but nonetheless it has happened the last time these two teams faced Buffalo handled their business 38 to 20 on Sunday night football back in October of 2021 earlier this year and this is a big test for the Buffalo Bills defense this is the best defense in the league as far as total yards per game and passing yards per game and they showed it last week against the New England Patriots. And, yes, you can say it's Mac Jones and this and third. But this defense will be put up to the test against Patrick Mahomes, who is not the same Patrick Mahomes when they faced him back in October. It's going to be tough against Kelsey and, and Hill and the rest of those guys over there. But if there's one team that can do it, it is this Buffalo Bills team. That is for certain. The Buffalo Bills is not going to do seven touchdowns, seven possessions like they did the last time. They're, that's not going to happen. They're not playing against uh, a soft defense, which New England's defense is pretty goddamn good. So that surprised the literal hell out of me. And for me, for Buffalo, that was basically 20 years of frustration coming out on that game. It was very sweet for Buffalo. It probably would have been sweeter if it was Tom Brady at the quarterback helm for the for the Patriots for Buffalo. But nonetheless, Buffalo took out 20 years of frustration against the New England Patriots, and I think they move on. I got the Buffalo Bills winning this game. The key thing about Buffalo is defense. If they can just contain Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, let Kelsey beat you, let him get his 100 yards, whatever it may be. Contain Hill, contain contain Patrick Mahomes. Try to try to stop Hill, uh, Kelsey as much as you can. And I got the Buffalo Bills plan. When you got the best defense, the best passing defense, this team only gives up 160 yards per passing play. That's it. They give up 120 
163, not 123, 163 passing yards per game. And if you look at the game last week, if you look at the game last week, guess how many yards the Buffalo Bills gave up? 216 yards passing. And most of that came in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I got the Buffalo Bills winning this game. I got the Buffalo Bills winning this game. Final score. Final score, 31-17. to 17. I think they keep Kansas City to 17 points. It's going to be tough because they're in Kansas City during a playoff game. And Kansas City hasn't lost a lot of playoff games at home. Matter of fact, they matter of fact they haven't lost a playoff game at home since the 2018 um, uh, division game. Uh, not division, the 2018 championship game against the New England Patriots. And they almost won that game if D4 doesn't step off uh, offsides and everything like that. So, yeah, that's just the NFL division round playoffs. Um, and that's pretty much it. So we're actually going to end this episode a little earlier than what we usually do. And that's okay. Things happen. You know, we kind of actually went through this episode pretty fast, actually faster than I thought we were. Um, so, yeah, we're going to actually play you out with two songs to end this show. Uh, like I said, again, you can follow Technically It Is Real on Spotify. Um, you can follow uh, hit the uh, follow it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Yes, yeah, yes. Technically, it is real is on Apple Podcasts as well. Also, technically, it is real is on Anchor as well. Follow the Twitter page at T I R underscore five nine. That is in all caps. T I R underscore five nine. Also, follow me on Twitter at Tyrell W Jackson one. My beautiful face would just pop up on there as well. We're gonna play you out with my favorite artist. From this entire playlist, y'all know who it is. We're going to have RMG play you out with Hip Hop Is Back. And we're also probably going to have two RMG songs play you back. But we're going to start it off with RMG Hip Hop Is Back. You have been listening to Technically It Is Real. And it has been real. This is Tyrell Jackson signing off. You have finished listening to another presentation of Technically It Is Real on NorthCoastUnderground.com. I have been your host, Tyrell Jackson, and it has been real. Go Browns, Cavs, Guardians, and Fighting Irish. Have a great week, everybody.